Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. Welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today, the one about pushing through. And this is really around how do we complete really tough pieces of work when we've just lost our motivation to do so. We also want to look at some things that might just be throwing us off track or times that we even just get in our own way that make us unproductive. Sasha also brings her productivity tips to um, take us to the next level. So if you want to get a whole lot of stuff done, you can just put your phone in the washing machine. And does anyone else do this with big email and then the tiny email? And then you finish your email on your computer and then you pick up your phone and you open up your email on your tiny computer and, you do, and you're like going, but I was just here. I was just in my email and now I'm in my tiny email. And Sasha calls me out as usual. So can I ask you, have you ever been chased by a lion? Yeah, there was that, that time. Um, that in one Kenya. Time. <laughs> that one time in Kenya. All right, that's the show. Let's get it. Okay, welcome to the Not So Breakfast show today. And today we are talking about the subject of pushing through, which I think is great at this time of the year because I was in the office the other day doing a piece of work and I was going, oh my goodness, this is hard. And I just kind of <laughs> lost my motivation and my mojo with it. And I was like, back to basics. How do I reset this? How do I still produce work that is of high value? But today, as always, I have Sasha with me. Sasha, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you, Ash. I love, as soon as you said we're pushing through, I immediately thought about birth and I wanted to disqualify myself because I've had two children, but they both came out the sunroof. So I'm like pushing <laughs> through. Um, but yes, the, how do you get stuff done even when you don't want to? It's that kind of feeling, right? Yeah, definitely. And if you are after some birthing advice, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> I feel like we say that every week. Every week we say, if you want this, it's not us. It is good to <laughs> define <laughs> what our target market is and who's listening, though. So, you know, I think we'll just keep refining there. So what we're really talking about when we say pushing through, it's when you've got a bunch of stuff that you know you need to get done, but you have absolutely zero motivation to do it. Or alternatively, you get really close to a deadline and you go, wow, what? How did this that deadline has really crept up on me? And it's not that you're unmotivated to do the work, it's just that you haven't managed yourself within the constraints of time and space to actually get the stuff done. So I know, Ish, you've got some, you know, a really useful way of looking at or diagnosing what the problem is so that we can get fixes. And there's there's three things that basically uh, you think stop us from being really productive, both when we are motivated, but also uh, when we're unmotivated. And, and that's where you have to push through. Yeah, that's right. So why don't we have a look at the first one, which is it could just be a technical error. And when I talk about a technical area, I'm not really talking about technology as such. I'm talking about that you may have technically just been not doing something correct. And if I use an example of that, one of the key things I find, one of the key common mistakes, is that people don't give the task a home. And what I mean by a home is it doesn't end up with a place in your calendar 
where it gets some priority. Sorry, assuming that tasks just aren't for Christmas. They're like things we have to love and nurture and care for. Exactly. And sometimes when you've got a chunk of work to do, it's not very often you sit down and go, right, I'm going to do this for the next nine hours because that's how long it's going to take. It might be that you're going to do it over several different days and it needs focused amounts of time. So it needs a home. Uh, so sometimes when you have the piece of work and you're starting to get anxious about it or you're starting to get under pressure, you might start to analyze and go, well, actually, have I given the focus or is it just on a to-do list that at some stage I'm going to get it done? And then suddenly you get to the point where you want to get it done and you've run out of time. So that makes real sense to me that when you get a project or something that's in addition to your regular workload, you go, okay, so... Yes, I'm going to break this task down into components, but I need to find a logical time in my day to set aside for that. And that enables you to push through because you're not confronted with the the entirety of the task right before the deadline. That's right. Another technical issue you might have is you've just set aside the wrong time. And we talked a little bit about this in productivity. It's really when are you best to be working on certain tasks? And if it's a piece of work that you know you're struggling with and you know you're struggling to find motivation with, you need to make sure it's at a time of the day where you can apply the most amount of focus to it because otherwise you're just making it that much harder by putting it off to the time of the day where you're the least motivated and then you're trying to sit down and get that piece of work done. Yeah, so for me it's like if I woke up in the morning and I can barely unpeel my eyelids from each other, that's not the time to be doing a whole lot of reading. Uh, but for you, that's the absolutely the right time to do a whole lot of reading. That's right. Yeah, I, we've talked about that. I'm so much more focused in the morning than I am in the afternoon. So I know that if I do need to read, if I need to write, if I need to do detail, it needs to be earlier because otherwise chances are my brain's going to go a bit mushy later on. As part of this, or is this a separate category, when you don't set aside enough time? Yeah, if you miscalculate how much time you need, then you put yourself under huge amounts of pressure. So if you know that you have to write something and it's going to take you a couple of hours, but you've only set aside half an hour because that's all you had, well, you just can't get yourself into a space where you can complete it. It's actually almost impossible because you couldn't write that fast. Yeah, or, or the outworking of that is that we tend to massively underestimate how long things are going to take. So we go, oh, I've got to write that report. That'll take me an hour. And we get an hour in and we go, oh, we've nearly finished the introduction. This is actually much harder than we think. And I'm thinking of a classic example of that at the moment. Um, you know, our girls are doing exams uh, at the moment at school. And for my girl, Portia, it's her first year of external big exams and she's really confident that she set aside the the right amount of time to study and I had a conversation with her the other day and I just said hey babe how's it going and she said some subjects amazing I'm nailing it she said on one of my subjects I just didn't allow enough time to do the Mm. work and and I said that that's cool this is the year to learn that first year nothing much at stake what a what a great lesson but to be at my age and still be making that same mistake, where I always think I can go faster than I actually can, that's just stupid. And I, we always like to have a look at my schooling with when it comes to studying exams. And I, I remember studying for an exam, and I, I tried to get my environment set up, and I believe my environment involved a packet of sour cream and chive chips, 
and uh, probably like a, a bottle of Coke or something like that. And I sat down and I do believe over the hour I ate a packet of sour cream and chive chips and a bottle of Coke and did no study whatsoever. <laughs> but you put your notes under your pillow and they get into your brain by osmosis. Okay, so these are, the, these are the technical things that mean we put ourselves under pressure and it's harder to push through to get the stuff done, right? Yeah. And another technical one could be your just space is just disorganized. You don't have to be the tidiest person in the world, but you sometimes have to be the type of person that can at least organize their space and their thoughts and their processes efficiently. And we've talked about the difference between having a, a filing system versus a piling system, right? You know, <laughs> can you find the information you need quickly or do you have to go through piles and piles of stuff so it's taking you an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes just to get into the space or get the information that you need or get the structure or whatever it is to be able to work on that thing because of the way that you're organising your space. Yeah, and I think this is such a great point that Ish is making that doesn't apply to me or anyone I know, so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Last couple of technical errors. It could be that the task is just overly complex and you can't actually remember what it is that you need to do. Sometimes you've got the piece of work and it's like, oh, what was that piece of work again? It's out of your mind because you don't want to work on it. And then you haven't taken any good notes or detail around the original kind of scope of what it was that you have to do. So then you end up trying to figure out what it is that you were wanting to do. That takes 30 minutes. You only put aside 30 minutes and then you're like, oh, well, it's too late now. I can't work on it. I'll do it later. And then later becomes more stress and then anxiety goes up and all of that kind of stuff. So I think the last one that I have some experience with is this idea of chunking, <laughs> not chucking, chunking, chunking your time. And how this works is if you are, say you're writing a, a report that's going to your board, one of the things that you might do is you might say, well, I'm going to get this correct and I'm going to set aside uh, 40 minutes uh, every day for the next five days to get my board report done. And this is great in theory, but what happens is, the first lot of 45 minutes is well spent. When you come to it the next day, you spend mm. the first 15 minutes of your 45 of day two just refreshing yourself and getting up to speed with where you left off on day one. So sometimes it's really efficient if you break your task up into two parts that are too small. You're better off to say, I'm going to smash for three hours and get as far as I can, and then perhaps do another two hours at a later stage because just notice when you're working how often you spend getting yourself back to where you last left off. Okay, so let's have a look at kind of um, filter number two, which is really it could be an external issue or an external error going on which is really where you may just have limited energy. We're heading into Christmas. Man, my energy is starting to fade. I don't know about you, Sash, but I am <laughs> looking forward to coasting into December. Downhill, right? Downhill till Christmas. Yeah. So I am constantly trying to make sure that if I'm working on things and I want to be producing meaningful work and all the stuff we're talking about, that my energy levels are high. And that may just mean that I actually need to take a few more breaks than I might need to at different times of the week or different times of the year. So if you are kind of in that space where you are struggling or you're just spinning your wheels, get up, walk around the block, 
get some fresh air, breathe, and then come back down and reset. That that kind of that process, that interruption, but in a way that is kind of going to build up your energy levels is a much better use of time than sitting there spinning your wheels, getting frustrated and getting nowhere. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. We're not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. Yeah, I mean, I don't fully understand how this is called the external reality because it feels a little bit like this is an internal reality where you check in on yourself to say, how are you going? But it's also a measure of what's external to you that gets in the way, right? So what I love about it is if you think about um, Dr. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, this one is about sharpen the saw that says all of those paradoxes of to go faster, sometimes we have to go slower. And we need to make sure if we want to push through, uh, sometimes it's about actually stopping and going to have some food or stopping to get some fresh air, just like what you were saying, to make the next bit of time that we invest really productive. And again, the only way you master this is by turning on your self-awareness. And I know sometimes for me in the morning, I'll get to about 11 o'clock and I'll go, oh, if I think about it, I haven't done anything useful for the last 20 minutes. And it's because my blood sugar's low, I haven't eaten yet, and this is all dumb stuff. This is all stuff that's really easily fixed. And rather than sitting there having this existential crisis where I go, I'm so low in energy, I have no motivation, I'm useless at my job, you just go, no, shut up, lady, you just need some sugar. <laughs> I love the sharpening the saw analogy as well, because when I first heard that, and it was something like, you know, if you've got nine hours to cut down a tree, spend eight hours of them sharpening the axe or sharpening the saw, right? So in my original interpretation of that, I was like, so this dude is just sitting there sharpening his saw, for like eight hours and then spending the last hour cutting down a tree. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but really, what they were saying is sharpen the saw, do a couple of cuts. Sharpen the saw, do a couple of cuts. Like make the effort easier by basically spending time keeping the saw sharp over the time as opposed to what I thought, which was let's just have all the fun at the beginning and then just work really hard in that <laughs> last little bit. <laughs> Okay, so another external error that could be is you just have other people's chaos going on. And one of those could be you've just got a really interruptive work culture. That's like you and me. It's you and me on the podcast. You talk and <laughs> I interrupt you. And you're like, lady, Sash, I'm trying to make a point. Stop interrupting me. That's why we record on separate audio channels, so Sash, because I can just move move your audio on. <laughs> I'm just turning you off. <laughs> but it is, that's the creative dilemma, right? For a lot of creative people, they're in the flow, they're in the zone, and then all of a sudden they just get interrupted and then to try to get back into that zone. But interruption can be your own interruptions. How many times have you done this, Sash? You're on your email on your computer 
and then you finish your email on your computer and then you pick up your phone and you open up your email on your tiny computer and you, do, and you like going, but I was just here. <laughs> I was just in my email and now I'm in my tiny email. And it's that own disruptive habits and thinking around social media to swipe, to open, to click that ends up just causing so much chaos for us. You use an iWatch, yeah? I do. I have got the watch. And so you must have some tips around managing that because you've got a babushka doll of email where you go, it's on my desktop, it's on my laptop, it's on my phone, it's now on my watch. So do you, yeah. just, do you just build discipline around not checking it all the time? Or? I just literally don't have any alerts on it. So okay. the only alerts on my watch are notifications for appointment and text. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, I got one of those watches because I was pretty sure that that was going to be the answer to my weight loss um, challenges. But it honestly, it just keeps telling me I'm fat. And I don't, why would, why would I have that negativity in my life? So I've just gone back to a swatch and it's, life is much better. <laughs> but you're so right. Like technology is one of those things that we look to enable us and make us more productive, but it can have the complete opposite effect as well. And suddenly the notification that you have on your phone for Facebook, for LinkedIn, for Instagram, for every appointment under the sun becomes something that you just cannot control and you are constantly waiting for the next distraction rather than trying to limit that. And I think there is some level of self-awareness there that you need to know what works for you and what doesn't. So you can play with your external reality in this way, right? So sometimes people say, oh, I wonder what it was like to grow up in the 80s. And I'm, I can tell you, and we can recreate it. So if you want to get a whole lot of stuff done, you can just put your phone in the washing machine, turn it on, <laughs> destroy your phone. But you can artificially create these work zones where you go, I need to be uninterrupted in order to push through I need to have alone thinking, uninterrupted quiet time. And there's lots of neuroscience um, thinking and research around the fact that we know that our concentration spans are reducing and we are doing it to ourselves. We are teaching ourselves to be constantly after the dopamine hit. And I think we can retrain against that by having deliberate periods of stillness and periods where we can be uninterrupted. You had me at neuroscience. <laughs> All right, so let's look at the third filter, which is psychological errors. Doom, doom, doom. Wow, psychological. This is um, such an interesting one because I think this comes a little bit down to personality as well. Mm. So one of the what they would say is the psychological error is that you thrive on crisis control. So it's almost like you want the drama you want a little bit of the anxiety you want the pressure you're the person that studied for the exam 20 minutes before <laughs> the exam and in a way you crave it so you're almost whether you're aware of it or not but you're setting yourself up to have a little bit of that in order to be able to get something done and you've learned that you can perform well under pressure so you've taught yourself to wait for the pressure to come to enable the mm. workflow and, and that works super well yeah. until it doesn't. That's right. I mean, the fastest I'm ever going to run is when I'm being chased by a lion, right? But that doesn't mean it's a good idea and it definitely doesn't mean it's sustainable. So there may be times that I have to 
be under pressure to perform as fast as I can. But to do that constantly and use that as my only motivator probably isn't serving me. So can I ask you, have you ever been chased by a lion? Yeah, there was that that time um, in Kenya. (laughs) That one time in Kenya. So you don't actually know how fast you can run. (laughs) Well, not at the moment. Unrelated, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I used to um, do this game with myself at the gym when I was uh, trying to set new one rep max, you know, new, new PBs, personal best for my one rep max on weights and things. Mm. And I used to, I'd be lying there doing the bench press, and as my mental prep, I'd go like, um, this is a car that is crushing my child and I must push it in order to – and it works the first few times – and inevitably, those kind of uh, you know mental games sometimes run out. Right, so the the psychological stuff that we're talking about is again just turning on your awareness to understand what drives you and ask yourself how sustainable that is in the long term. All right. So another one could be, and it's uh, the person that is always the helper. So it's almost like you want to do everybody else's work except your own because there is a desire to be helpful to other people. So anytime there is an opportunity to be slightly distracted by somebody else and what they perceive to be their priority, you just jump at it because it's more interesting than the work you're doing. And sometimes you'll even set yourself up for that, looking for opportunities to help other people rather than working on your own project. ties super nicely into those uh, people who are particularly susceptible to needing to be liked is that if you can get a payoff from helping everybody else that's amazing but I've worked with people like this and and uh, in previous teams had people like this and you come to their performance review and you say here are the things that you are responsible and accountable for and you haven't achieved the things that are on your list and they will often, you know, come back with, oh, but I've been helping over here and I'm invaluable over here. And, and I'm like, that may be true, but that's not your job. So you've, you've left this kind of gap that you needed to fill and that's what we were paying you for. It's the analogy of driving a car, right? Every time your foot is off the accelerator because you are wanting to focus on something else or do something else, you are not driving that car forward. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> been talking to my husband so very rare occasions I get to drive and when I do if I drive and talk their car inevitably slows down so I'll be in the middle of what I think is a fascinating story and Chris will say yeah hey babe this is this is really great but could you just talk and use the accelerator at the same time because we want to get there before tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) it's the same principle right it's a it's a focus it's It's a a focus focus thing absolutely Another psychological error could just be the need to be perfect. It's the whole perfectionist thing. I'm not even going to try and complete it because it's not perfect enough or I've just got to keep tweaking it. I've just got to keep adjusting it. And then all of a sudden you've missed your deadline or it's not relevant anymore or you've lost your opportunity because you're just obsessing on the wrong detail. Yeah, Seth Godin, marketing guru, uh, reminds us Mm. that 70% is the new perfect. Because if we wait for products to be perfect, we miss the market window. So you think about software. Software launches full of glitches. If they don't launch, they'll lose the opportunity and lose the position uh, in the market. If you've got a triple A personality, this is so hard. This is such a hard thing to get over, this idea that things have to be perfect and you know, they say don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. Um, in fact, they say it better than that. 
but who cares, right? That part doesn't even have to be perfect. Uh, you get the idea. So one of the things, if you are one of those AAA types who just have this demand for perfection all the time, it's really useful. Anything that sits under this psychological uh, filter or barrier to, where it's hard to push through, the word psychological is a cue. So your first question to ask yourself is, are you a psycho? And what that means is, is, as much as I'm joking, I'm also thinking lots of these things are formed really early in our life. So if you want to be able to be set free of your desire for perfect and set free from the shackles of perfectionism, you are going to have to do a little bit of work to understand where it comes from. Because you can you can overcome it intellectually, but that doesn't change the feeling you will have about the mm. inferiority of what you're doing. Simply put, it sucks to be you, but good luck, and we are with you on this journey. <laughs> this is the podcast for you. <laughs> You've come to the right place. So there you have it. Those are the three things that can stop us from getting stuff done. There's technical errors, sometimes there's external factors that play in, and then there's the whole psycho factors, the ways that we get in our own way. The whole point about developing this muscle of pushing through is to first understand where it is that we're getting stuck. So we talked about, you know, if you're not motivated, how do you push through? If you are motivated, but you've just run out of time, how do you push through? And really what we've been talking about today is the first step to pushing through is to understand how you got stuck in the first place. Because before you can diagnose uh, the solution, you have to understand what the problem is. So hopefully you've got some frameworks to think about why am I getting stuck? And we can talk more about how you then push through. All right, so a bit of a life hack, and it's a productivity one because that feels right in the kind of context of what we've been talking about, and it's a little software program called Trello. Now, I don't know if you've used Trello, but it is a free piece of software. You can obviously pay for the more kind of bells and whistles version of it, but I really love it because what it does is it allows you to really look at your thinking, look at tasks within projects, and a way to structure them up. So you can basically go in and you can create a task, you can put it into a bucket of work, you can assign someone to that task, you can give it a deadline, you can give it a checklist, you can add content to it, you can add email through it, and it's a really good way to start to structure your thinking. It's basically project management, but a very visual version of project management tools. So Trello is the life hack. It's a great thing for everything from big projects to what am I going to get my mum for Christmas? And I can't wait until, well, not not in an ego sense that we're like world famous podcasters, but but one day if we ever did, we'd right now we'd be able to say and use our code to get a special discount. But right now we're just giving you tips for nothing. Have them get Trello. But if you're listening, Trello, seriously, give us the code. <laughs> All right, so that is the Not So Breakfast Show for this week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe. I think that's a thing that you do. It's probably more of a YouTube thing. But let's see if we can do it on a podcast. Uh, if you do want to follow us on Instagram, please do so. The Not So a Breakfast Show. Sasha, thank you for joining me as always. Yeah. 
get it. Do I, do, do I sound young? I'm shooting for our younger audience. I tell you what, I think there is a younger audience right now that have just gone, I have found the podcast for us. 